This episode is supported by Earn In. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn now can be in your hands today with Earn In. Earn In is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Super, super easy to use. You just download the Earn In app and verify your paycheck. Then you can access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. So the app is free. You can leave a tip if you want. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So here's the thing. Sometimes getting close to your next paycheck, next pay period, and you realize, oh gosh, like paycheck doesn't come until next Friday, but we have this event that we need to attend this weekend and we need money for it. Or we have to buy a gift for someone. Or, oh my gosh, like my kid tore through their shoes and now we have to buy new shoes this weekend and the money's not in the bank yet. So Earnin can help you access the money you've already earned at work by giving you this little bit of money in advance. So make Earnin part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security, and it gives me a lot of peace of mind. So for our listeners, all you need to do is download Earnin today. It's spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, and you can download it in Google Play or the Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type in Shameless Mom under podcast when you sign up. So there'll be a little place where you can, where it says, what podcast did you hear about them on? Type in Shameless Mom under podcast. This helps to show support for our show and our advertisers. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank, and subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 204 with Lori Lee. Show notes for this episode, as well as any links mentioned in this episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 204. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean, and I'm here to give you and other passionate, dedicated moms the tools you need to bridge the gap between motherhood and living the life of your dreams. I'm also here to help you be a little more shameless every day, because if you aren't building a life you're extraordinarily proud of, what kind of legacy are you building? So let's dive in. This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 204 with Lori Lee. Lori, the host and producer of the Love Your Story podcast, an empowerment podcast focused on how we can lift ourselves and others to greater places because of our control of our stories, found her love, understanding, and appreciation for stories as she studied and researched the personal narrative for her master's degree program in folklore at Utah State University. A professional writer for the past 25 years, Lori has four books, over 100 published magazine articles, and she taught writing at Utah State University. Lori has been on Park City TV as a trails host, Studio 5 TV, and multiple radio morning shows to share her expertise. She recently released an audiobook, an ebook called The Key to Your Super Self How Your Stories Unlock Your Power. She is the mother of two amazing sons, aged 21 and 17. She recently walked her 21 year old son through cancer, and he is now thriving. She's also a shameless single mom. And she's the mama to a Yorkie named Rockstar. This was a really, really fun conversation. You all know how much I love talking about stories and the power of 
changing your perspective around stories, rewriting your endings to your stories, and really feeling like you have power over your stories and their outcomes. And Lori really digs deep into a lot of these concepts and different ideas that I've been talking about on the podcast over the last year or so. So this will be a fun, fun conversation for you to listen in on as we definitely dig a little deeper on some of the ideas that I've been throwing around and throwing your direction recently. Listen in to hear Lori share the function and importance of our stories, her story of her three divorces and how enduring her partner's abuse and addiction fueled her professional journey and her Love Your Story podcast, how to find meaning and comfort out of your sacred spaces of severe suffering, the four steps to start rewriting the stories that are holding you back in your life. And she's also going to talk about her 21 day challenge. Her 21 day challenge is a really special program that she runs and she's offering a discount to all shameless moms. So we'll talk about that at the end of the show. So make sure you stay tuned for that and how you can save a little money on your registration. All right, let's dive in with Lori Lee. Lori Lee, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm super excited to have you here today. Thank you, sir. I'm so excited to be on. Let's talk about stories. I know. Let's. And I'll tell our listeners in advance that I had so much fun diving into your website and looking at all the ways you talk about stories and all the different kinds of stories that you share on your podcast. So I'm very excited to get going with all this. Go ahead and tell us a little bit more about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio and what you're most excited about right now. Well, Let me pull up three things. The first is it's winter now, so ski season, and I'm an avid skier, so I'm excited about that. The second is, and I can't remember if this is in my bio or not, but I am a single mom of two sons, and the oldest is 21, and he was diagnosed with leukemia last year, and he is responding exceptionally well to the treatments and is living a pretty much normal life with the exception of the side effects of the treatments. And I'm super excited about that because it's a great response. And that's huge. Yeah, that's like maybe the most important thing anyone's (laughs) ever mentioned being excited about on our show. Yeah, that's a big one. And you have another son as well, right? Yeah, and he's 17. So he's a senior in high school. So my kids are a little bit older. Okay. And the third thing I'm super excited about is has to do with the Love Your Story podcast. And just this month, we've launched a 21-day challenge, and I'm just super hyped about it. It's our challenge of people can sign up every day. They get a new challenge for ways that they can improve their life story. So it's a challenge. It might be something like, you know, today, do a random act of kindness. So simple things that you can work into your way of living, but really cool things that create possibility for connection and love and greater peace. And after three weeks of that, you've made really fun things happen that month and and use story tools to make your life story even better. So I'm just super stoked about it because it's a neat thing to have out there for people to do. Those are my three. I love that. That's so cool. And I'm sure from your audience's perspective, they love the opportunity to engage with you more and, you know, be able to work with you and get some really immediate results and little like points of joy in their day. But from your perspective and my perspective as a podcaster, it is so fun to be able to communicate with your listeners like that. Isn't it just so exciting? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that they do at the end of each day is there's a little link called write it out and they get to go back and process what was my challenge today? What did I choose to do? And then what did I gain from that? So it's a super short, it doesn't take a lot of time, but it gives them a chance to process it. And then it gives me a chance to read and see the process they're going through and I can talk with them and just kind of do some outside guidance if needed and excitement and sharing and cheering. And yeah, so it's a great contact point. 
Oh, I love that. That's so cool. I'm so excited for you. And is that something, did you start the challenge after you got back from London? Yes. Well, you know, it's been in the works for a couple of months, but it launched, we put it up in December. So. Okay. Nice. So Lori and I were in London together and with a bunch of entrepreneurs and there's nothing that inspires you to Mm -hmm. take action in your business and like learn fun and creative ways to help people and help your audience than going to a big, huge event like that and seeing all the amazing things that people are doing to serve their audiences. So yeah, awesome entrepreneurs from all over the world, right? I mean, this was the online entrepreneurs from 22 different countries. Yes. It was amazing all over the globe. Yeah. It was very cool. Very cool. So your podcasting journey is a little bit of a departure from your other professional life, which is in real estate, which I only know from Facebook stalking you. (laughs) I had no idea that you had a life in real estate when we met in London. So can you tell us, like, how did you go from real estate and become inspired to start a podcast about stories? Okay. You sure you want this story? (laughs) I do. I do. I'm so excited. It could be a little long. That's okay. We got time. Okay. So when... I had the opportunity to be a stay-at-home mom for the first eight years of my oldest child's life, and that was awesome. And then when we got divorced, I needed to support my family. So I stepped into real estate investing, and I would buy, I would fix up, I would resell. So I was kind of doing some flipping. I also bought some land. I did some development, some subdividing and selling that off. And eventually that led to getting my own license and helping other people to have fantastic real estate transactions. So that's what I did and do as the bread and butter that supports my family. But my love and my master's degree is in folklore and While I was working on my master's degree, my area of research and expertise was in the personal narrative. And as I started just delving into personal narrative, I came to realize the many functions that stories play in our lives and the structure of stories. And I mean, the nuance of story is so diverse when you really get into it and you start studying it. It's fascinating. And it still fascinates me. I'm still completely excited about it, maybe more so than normal people ought to be. (laughs) (laughs) But because of that passion, I started looking at what would my doctorate work be. And, And as with all academic research, you generally look to yourself What questions do you have that you want to explore that you're willing to spend another six years in research to find the answers to? And the real question that stood out to me that I still wanted to figure out was, had other people's lives turned out the way that they had expected? Because mine had not. Since that first divorce, I had been married two other times and divorced two other times. And this was a very shameful thing for me because... I come from a culture and a family and a religion that is very family-centered, that is very much about long-term family. My parents are still married. My grandparents didn't get divorced. Most of my siblings are married to their original spouses. And I had, like, totally screwed it up three times. Now, I knew the real story, right? I knew about the abuse and the affairs and the addictions and all the crap that I had to put up with. And I knew, you know, about going to marriage counselors and fighting for the relationships. And I knew all the insides of the story. But when you told somebody from the outside, hey, I've been divorced three times, they start thinking, wow, she must be broken. 
you know, there's something wrong with that girl if she's been divorced three times. You might have even been thinking that when I just said that. What was your first judgment? My first judgment was, first of all, I'm so shocked because when you meet someone in a professional environment at a conference, you don't think about their family background that much. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, oh my gosh, like she's been through so much and she totally has her act together. (laughs) So yeah, like I see you as like very strong and confident. And I mean, now I'm like, okay, I would add resilient to that, powerful. Like it's interesting. My initial judgment is surprise, but also like wanting to give you like a lot of attributes and affirmations because you present like this really confident, strong woman. And I think that's really, really cool. And it probably is because of the adversity that you faced. So I love your story building there. That was beautiful. Way to build a positive story on a potentially negative story, right? (laughs) So with this story of mine, there was shame about it. Shame and disappointment and, you know, where's my happily ever after? And, you know, where did all this crap come from? So I was trying to grapple with that. And also I had a number of issues with men at that point because, you know, with all the crap that had gone on, people that I had trusted dearly had broken that trust in multiple ways, whether it was addiction or abuse or affairs or whatever it was. I guess I'm a bad man picker. (laughs) 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 But at any rate, I'd gone through a lot. So I had... I call them man issues. My friends call them men issues, but I needed to work through them is basically what it was in order to not be living from a place of resentment and a place of fear and a place of dissatisfaction and also insecurity with, you know, what's wrong with me kind of thing. So there's all those stories that I'm creating in my own mind. Now, there was nobody in my culture. There was nobody in my family or in my religion that was saying you're a big fat loser because of this. But I knew the expectations within those realms, what they were, and my life just didn't look like it was supposed to look. So as I was considering my dissertation, the question that I wanted answered was, did other people's lives turn out like they were supposed to turn out? And I actually put together an entire research project. It was a qualitative research project. I got 20 women across the United States to opt in for this. And they were women of varied religions, of varied ages, of varied sexual orientations, of varied careers, of, you know, just across because I wanted a sampling of lots of different types of women. And they lived in different parts of the country. So it wasn't just, you know, a small sampling in one spot. And I asked that question, did your life turn out as you wanted it to? And then I, you know, through the research, I interviewed them and got more specifics. But this episode is supported by Mysteries About True Histories, a podcast for your kiddos. So from the creators of the hit podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix's Brainchild comes the adventurous world of mysteries about true histories, affectionately known as math. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers on an adventure through time packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs, making learning cool. This podcast is perfect for ages six and up, and new episodes drop every Thursday, each stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. I love a show where, as a parent, you're like, hey, let's listen or watch this or whatever. And your kids are thinking they're like getting extra device time or what have you. And you're like, they're learning right now. 
So it feels like such a big win. So I want you to go check out Mysteries About True Histories wherever you listen to podcasts. You can tune tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you're listening to this podcast. So go check out Mysteries About True Histories to listen in and have some fun with your kid while they learn today. This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly, Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know, like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse. And so Active Skin Repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately. And I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect. So Vinny does not like ointmenty, creamy, lotiony things on his body, but I was able to get out the spray, literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived, put it on his toe before he went to bed. And the next morning he was like, mom, my toe's all better. It was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly. So you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, other types of skin damage. It's totally safe, non-toxic, suitable on all types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the youngest members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500 thousand happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients, active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family. So to get your own active skin repair, go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20% off your order when you use the code shameless. That's activeskinrepair.com. Use the code shameless for 20% off your order. Activeskinrepair.com, code shameless. 19 out of 20 people's lives had not turned out as they expected. And, you know, in hindsight, I look back and I think, well, of course, of course, that was the answer to the question, because when we're young, we don't picture all the crap. We picture the things that the Disney movie set up. We picture the happily ever afters. We picture the stuff that we want to come true, coming true. We don't picture, oh, yeah, well, I'm going to marry somebody and he's going to end up getting drunk and put in jail and he's going to cheat on me and I'm going to have to, you know, you know, whatever the messed up story is. That's not the stuff we picture. So, of course, when real life hit and you didn't picture getting laid off, you didn't picture being a single mom, you didn't picture whatever variety of things life hands to you. And so, with that research project done, and that research project was called Love Your Story. I knew it. I knew what the name of it was when I started out on that path. I didn't know where it was going, but I knew that was the name of it. And so I kind of put it on the back burner after I graduated with my master's degree because I wanted to consider which schools for my doctorate work. And what ended up happening, as fate would have it, I ended up getting introduced to an emotional intelligence training program. And I went on a friend's recommendation because she said, Lori, you need to work through your man issues. (laughs) (laughs) And I trusted her and loved her. And I thought, yeah, I really do because I'm up against a wall. I know that I'm not completely healthy in this space of how I'm perceiving life, but I really, really just don't know how to get past it. So I took her recommendation and I flew across the country and went to the first one and it was so powerful. So I signed up for the second and I signed up for the third and pretty soon I've done a year of this work. It's been fantastic. It's helped me to 
reframe. It's taught me all kinds of things. And I eventually transitioned into coaching and helping other people take that same journey. Well, at the end of that process, I sort of combined this emotional intelligence work and the coaching and the things that I had learned from my own journey, as well as all of the stuff from my master's research in personal narrative. And I just decided, you know what, instead of going and spending six or seven more years on a doctorate, I am going to spend all my time and effort and money putting together this Love Your Story podcast movement to help other people be able to create their biggest, best, most satisfying life stories by giving them these tools to reframe the past that hasn't worked out the way they expected. The stories that hold shame or discontent or the ones that we're trying to bury because we're not comfortable with them and also providing tools for them so that they can create their best stories moving forward. Because literally, Sarah, the stories that we believe about ourselves and that we create, they create our reality. Totally. So every day we are creating perceptions about ourselves, perceptions about the things that are going on around us, perceptions of other people. And we are constantly building those stories. And it seems like, no, this is just fact. This is the way things are. But in reality, everybody tells a story about themselves inside their own head always, all the time. And that story is what makes us who we are. We build ourselves out of that story. So if we believe in ourselves and we're telling stories and creating stories, even if we have to shut down, and we all do, shut down that internal critic and replace it with a positive story, that's the story work right there because we want to step out into the day having told stories and created stories about ourselves that are building and reinforcing our kick-ass power. I love that. And I agree 100%. And this is something I talk about so much with women that your stories can fuel you or they can like totally hold you back. Absolutely. It's so brave to take your own experience and to use that as you're going into this research and as you're putting together this podcast and as you're considering what you're going to offer to the world, you're also considering your own narrative. Like that is extremely, probably somewhat frightening, but also extremely powerful so I'm so impressed that you opted to do that. And I also think it's way more valuable than a PhD. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. It's my humble opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so that in the end, it reaches and helps and supports and influences people across the world in, in the best way possible. Yeah. So I want to touch a little bit about some of the things that you mentioned in terms of abuse and addiction and marriage and divorce and these kinds of things, because I think these are the kinds of things that we can really get in our head. And this could be things related to your adulthood. It could also be things related to your childhood. If you grew up in an abusive mm -hmm. home or in a broken home or anything along those lines, it's easy to hold on to your past experiences and let them really dictate the course of your life and in a way that maybe is not optimal for you. And so talk about the power of living according to your past stories versus starting to reconsider the power of your stories and living differently as a result. That's a great question because it's huge and everybody has them. I don't think they're, well, very few people in the world are going to live a real honest life if they're engaged and if they're getting out into the arena, as Brene Brown says, and 
you know, risking and trying to make things happen. There's not going to be anybody that isn't falling down, that isn't having these experiences. And we can either choose, do we live in a state where our past is determining our future in a negative way? Or do we reframe what happened to us in a way that we can live forward without it having a negative influence on us? So let me get specific there in answering your question. I have a program and it's a five-step reframing program. And basically the process is that you take a story and this isn't with fresh pain. This isn't, you know, your child dies and all of a sudden you're supposed to be finding the gratitude or finding the meaning in it necessarily. This is in our past stories that we still haven't put to rest. Those are the ones that we get to reframe and look at differently. But one of the main things about being able to do that, first of all, is recognizing that it is a story. It's an event that happened and that you have a certain perspective of it and that there are other ways of looking at it. Okay. The next is the idea that your lenses, and I'm kind of running all of these ideas together, but everybody has a different set of lenses. So picture yourself with a pair of glasses on with like 12 different lenses. So you've got this big old honking set of glasses on and these lenses are created by your religion your family, by your socioeconomic status, by your culture, by your sexual experience, by your sexual preference, by your, I mean, anything you can think of, by, I can't even remember all the things I've said yet, but (laughs) any of these things that influence who we are and how we see life. So if we grew up in an affluent neighborhood, we're going to have different perspectives than somebody who you know, grew up living paycheck to paycheck or going hungry. If we have an education level that's higher than someone who doesn't have an education, that's going to put a different lens on those set of glasses. If we grow up in a religion that is, say, more Eastern-based versus Western-based or versus maybe atheist, you know, I mean, there's really all of these different lenses affect how we see the world and how we interpret the story. So understanding, first of all, that people can be standing in the same place, seeing and watching the same thing and getting completely different perceptions out of it. So that's something that I think is really key just as we go through and are recognizing our stories that we have a perspective, but it is not the only perspective. There are going to be other perspectives that we can look at and consider when we're looking at a reframe. And sometimes if someone has done something bad to us, let's say the abuser, right? Mm -hmm. Just taking a minute and saying, what might that person's have perspective of this event been? And what lenses also might they have been looking through that would set them up for the bad things that they did, that they perpetrated. So that's a part of it. And what I think is the most important part Well, you have to be able to claim it, first of all. Some of our stories we're so uncomfortable with, we can't claim them. So we first have to claim them. And then we need to be able to say them out loud. There is power in actually sharing that story with somebody else. That doesn't mean post it on Facebook. That doesn't mean all of a sudden all your dirty laundry and the things you're most ashamed of need to be on Facebook. What it means is find a safe space Maybe it's a therapist, maybe it's a trusted friend, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a life coach, right? But you find that that trusted space and you share the story, you say it out loud, you claim it and you just let it be what it is. Right. right. And then 
the most important one is finding the meaning. There's the story of Viktor Frankl. You know, he was in Auschwitz and Dachau in the concentration camps. Are you familiar with him? Yes. Um, yeah. Man's Search for Meaning. Yeah. Yeah. His book. And afterward, a man came in into his psychiatric. I'm not even sure if that's the correct word, but he was a psychiatrist. So yeah, came, came in for psychiatry of health. And he was just overwhelmed with grief because his wife had passed away and he was so lonely and he just couldn't stand living without her. And he shared this with Dr. Frankel and Dr. Frankel knew and understood suffering. And he just looked at the man and he said, well, what would it have been like if you had died first and your wife had been here and having to be without you? And the man just looked at him and he said, oh, that would have been horrible. She could never have done it. She just, it would have broken her down. And Dr. Frankel looked at him and he said, well, here's the meaning for you is that, yes, you have to live here without your wife. And the difficulty and the loneliness is something you have to bear. But because of that, you have spared her from having to bear that same thing. And this provided the meaning that the man needed. He stood up, he shook Dr. Frankel's hand, and he walked out. And that's all he needed because he'd found the meaning to his suffering and that allowed him to move forward. And for all of us, all of us, when we go through something hard, it doesn't mean it's fair. It doesn't mean that you wanted it. You know, why me? All of that kind of thing. We're all going to have those hard spaces. But part of being able to reframe it and to move forward is to look back and find the learning or the meaning, the suffering that you may be spared somebody else. Whatever it is, it's going to be very, very different in every single situation. But once you can pinpoint what that is, then suddenly the really, really bad thing that happened has provided you with something different. It's provided you a learning opportunity. It's provided you something valuable. And that is a key step in being able to reframe something bad into something positive and then to move forward. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. It makes so much sense. And this is something that my husband and I, we've dealt with a lot as we've gone through infertility and it's still like definitely an up and down journey for me. So we have our five-year-old and I frequently get annoyed when people are like, oh my gosh, I'm pregnant. I didn't even know. Like we weren't even trying. And I'm like, I don't even want to hear about it. <laughs> but one of the great things that has happened is that I've had a lot of time to reframe things. And so one of the things I've focused on a lot in the last year is redefining how I can mother in this world mm. and with just having one child versus if I had multiple children. Mm. And so, you know, it, when it took us so long to get pregnant the first time, and then I knew it was going to be really hard if we tried again. And I was very kind of wrapped up in this, like, this is just really hard and it's really stressful. And I was kind of, I don't know if I would use that word angry, but there was definitely days where I was like, woe is me. It's also mm -hmm. ridiculously expensive. <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah. So there was all these like layers to it where I was like, sometimes I could be okay with it. And other times I was like, screw you infertility. But what I've really been able to process in the last year is figuring out other ways that I can mother, other ways that I can serve that can be potentially just as meaningful. And or could I like actually impact more lives because I only have one child? And so that actually gives me more bandwidth professionally to help so many other moms mm. with through the Shameless Mom Academy and maybe help moms on a different scale because I 
have a five-year-old and I can travel fairly freely at this point, which I could never do if I had two little kids. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't ask my husband to sit home and manage that, but we have one kid who's pretty easy right now. So there's been a lot of reframing for me, which has made it so much easier to move forward. And it's like allowed me to get rid of our baby stuff finally. And all Mm -hmm. these things are my husband's like, are we ever going to move past this? And I'm like, I think I'm starting to move past this a little bit, but it's taken a lot of, like you said, we always have stories in our heads that are just ongoing Mm -hmm. And on like a constant highlight reel or low light reel maybe. And it takes a lot of like consistent daily check-ins to find the meaning in what has happened and rewrite the ending. And I love that example that you use from Viktor Frankl because I think there's so many stories where you could, it would be easy to just sit and think of how traumatic something is or to focus on the pain and the suffering in a situation. And absolutely like you should have your time to grieve and suffer and that will take varying lengths of time for different people. And that's totally appropriate. But at some point being able to find power from the pain, I think is the most crucial part. Well, and congratulations to you for naturally seeking out and finding that reframe because, you know, and I don't mean this to sound, too casual. But the truth is, is that what happens is of less significance compared with the stories that we tell ourselves about what happens. So events matter less and the stories we tell ourselves about them matters more. Does that make sense? Mm, so yes. these, these are big things. We're talking about sacred spaces of suffering. You know, when yeah. we're talking about infertility or abuse or rape or divorce or, you know, loss of a loved one or a child dying. I mean, these are sacred spaces of severe suffering. And yet we really and truly do have the option of managing that story. And there's a mental badassery to creating your story on purpose, right? Yes. There just really is. And it takes work. I'm not saying, oh, it's super easy. Everybody should just go out there and choose a perspective that makes them super happy. <laughs> right. That's like saying you can turn on and off emotions. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. choose happy. <laughs> yeah. And it's not that easy. But I am doing story work every single day. We all have that internal critic inside our head. It is a standard human condition. And for most people, that inner critic is critical. You know, it knows how we're supposed to be perfectly living according to our culture And it knows what we expect of ourselves. And every time that we are one iota off, it's pointing it out to us. It's, you know, when you look in the mirror, it's like, ah, man, that 25 pounds of baby weight did not come off. I am so (laughs) ugly, you know? And that's what you say every time you look in your full length mirror. You're not heading out into the day full of confidence and ready to kick ass. You've already beat yourself up and you kind of want to play small because you don't want anybody noticing you because you're feeling ugly. Right. And that, that's totally within your control to when that story comes up, to reprogram that story, to say, oh, hell no, I am happy and I am awesome and I'm going to go out there and I'm going to focus on the parts of me that I am super happy with. Look at my gorgeous eyes and the way they sparkle. You know, watch me swing this, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Totally, totally. So I have a friend and I was trying to explain this concept to her because she was having a she's getting really involved in one of her kids lives and getting really upset over it. And I was trying to help her with this concept of the story that she's creating about it. Didn't need to be the only story that she could step back and that she could look at it in a way that wasn't going to cause her as much 
stress. And she said, well, you know, I appreciate your ability to be able to be so fluid, but, you know, I'm just a realist and it is what it is. And I can't pretend that it's not. And <laughs> you're missing the whole point, honey. Just right. what you perceive, as much as it feels like it's real to you, as much as it feels like the only truth, it isn't. It is not the only right. truth. And let me share an example. So when you know, during the pioneer days when we were settling the West, right, there were the Indian tribes, the Native Americans, and they honored the land. They honored the animals. They respected those spaces. And then you had all those who were coming in to conquer the land. Now, these are two different peoples with very, very different approaches. In fact, contradictory approaches. And yet, depending on which side you were on, the one way of doing things would seem extremely right and the other would seem extremely wrong. And yet, if you say you were a settler and you actually agreed with the Native Americans that there needed to be more respect shown to the land, then you would have been ostracized, frankly, by the settlers who were out conquering everything. They would not have appreciated your viewpoint. You wouldn't have been acceptable within that culture because you weren't along for the right of conquering and killing 6 million bison and, you know, building everything out and snatching the land and killing the Native Americans. And, you know, I mean, there were just different ways of seeing the same thing happening. And that's how all of life is. There are different perspectives on everything that happens. Being aware of that is key, but also being aware that you can change the stories that just because somebody tells you that you're right, or wrong doesn't make it so. Just because you and your head think that you're ugly, that, that doesn't make it so. To you, it might seem fact because there's some cultural expectation that's been built up and you're feeling like you don't live up to it or you know, you've really focused on this flaw or that flaw for so long that you're pretty certain that you don't have it going on. But the reality is, is that could be so far from the truth. And which story do you want to create? Do you want to create the story that supports you in being a badass? Or do you want to stick with a story that makes you feel small and happy? And when one is going to let you really have live better, live better and live happier, why not choose that story? Right, right. Totally. I'm thinking of a mother I know who has a grown daughter. And this mother has said to me before, you know, my daughter, she just really struggles. And, you know, it seems like she just can't catch a break and all these things. And I know the daughter fairly well. And I watch the daughter and I'm like, the daughter thinks she's living a great life. Like the daughter does not see herself as someone who struggles, but the mom is like constantly like, what should I do? And how can I support her? And like, She's kind of like always on call waiting for this daughter to need her because this daughter has chosen to live life in a different way than the mother would have chosen Mm. for her to live it. And I'm like, your daughter's fine. Like your daughter is a very self-sufficient, very resilient, very capable, confident woman. And she's totally fine. Like you are making up this whole thing about her struggling. Mm. Like this is a story that you've built in your head because she didn't choose to go to college exactly the way you did. She didn't choose to follow a certain professional path the way you wanted, that you would have uh, chosen for her. But that doesn't mean that she hasn't built a life that she loves and feels really good about. And, you know, like maybe she struggles financially sometimes, but again, she's totally happy. So let's, let's, yeah. And so I'm constantly like, you need to stop telling yourself the story that she struggles because it's not serving anyone. Mm -hmm. Well, Let me share another specific example with me and my son. So he's at this age, he's a senior this year, and 
he's gotten to the end. It was the end of his junior year where all of a sudden his mom is cool, is not worth hanging out with. <laughs> and we all know this is a space they hit, right? And I'm just lucky that it didn't hit till the end of his junior year because up until that point, we were going to concerts together and we were doing backpacking trips and, you know, we're skiing together and we're out doing things. And he's a fabulous kid. He just has the best sense of humor. And so he's a lot of fun to be with. And we would go do things. When I had work parties, I would take him. You know, he was often my date because being a single mom that was, you know, I would include him in on the things I was doing. And so we'd go and we'd have fun. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reversal reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters. And they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily, It's very digestible, and the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. Well, 
all of a sudden, the end of his junior year, his friends are way more important to him. And I know that it's normal, but at the same time, I'm thinking, yeah, that totally sucks. <laughs> and, and the first story that popped up was, gosh, when did I not get cool? What happened all of a sudden that made me not cool, that made him not want to hang out with me anymore? Because really our relationship didn't change, but all of a sudden he doesn't want to talk to me. And all of a sudden, you know, it's, hey, mom, can I go hang out with my friends tonight? And, but what about the Imagine Dragons <laughs> concert I, tickets I got us? You know? oh. <laughs> and the second story, so that first story of what's wrong with me, right? That's right. I can dwell on that, but then I feel crappy about myself, you know, wondering what I did wrong. The second story that could pop up and did was, oh my gosh, this kid is so selfish. Here I am, single mom. I don't have anybody to talk to at home but him. And of course, this isn't healthy to place this on him, but still, <laughs> couldn't, couldn't he see that I need his friendship, right, and, you right. know, <laughs> and he's so selfish and blah, blah, blah. But see, that story creates, there's something wrong with him right? So right. something wrong with me or something wrong with him. So the third story option that I came up with and chose was this idea that, you know what, I have probably six more months left with him before he graduates and is going to be off in college. And I get to be here as his support and as his mom and watch him go through this really neat phase of learning how to socialize and learning how to interact with the people around him. And I get to be here and enjoy the, hey, mom, can I head out with my friends tonight and meet his friends and say hello and, you know, kick it around with them and have a little fun. But to watch him in this development phase and enjoy it because, you know, once he's off of college, there's nobody asking if they can go out and play with their friends. And I'm not going to see who they're interacting with. And mm -hmm. I don't get to see it firsthand. So the third story that I chose, which is healthiest, is, hey, I get to be here in this beautiful, supportive role, watching him in this growth phase. And it's not about something being wrong with me or something being wrong with him. It's about a different phase. And I get to love him in this phase. And which of those stories is better? Which one supports the type of relationship I want to have with him? Which one makes me happier? Right. And then it's easy which story to choose. I love that. That's so interesting because I'm already telling myself stories about when, like when Vinny goes to college and <laughs> I'm like already depressed about it. <laughs> I need to, you know, like, you just totally made me think I need to stop writing that story right now. <laughs> right now. There's no reason. The other thing, too, the more aware you become of the stories, like, you'll catch yourself having conversations with people in order to, you know, playing things out in your head that have never happened. And when you catch <laughs> totally. yourself doing that, like, you are creating literal emotion. You are creating right. in yourself. Sometimes by, you know, the end of the night after you've hashed through this conversation a thousand times, you're really pissed off at this person and really nothing's even gone down yet. You know, and, <laughs> totally. and it's like, don't waste your time creating stories or thinking that you know what people think or how they feel or what's going to happen until it actually does, you know, right. and then because you've thought about it and you know how you want it to play out, then you create the story in the best possible way that you can. But there are so many spaces with these story tools where we can not let ourselves get out of control and not waste our time and emotion on things that we have no business wasting our time and emotion on. Right. What are some beginner steps for people who maybe can acknowledge, maybe see just through what we've talked about today, maybe realize there's stories that they're clinging to that they could rewrite or that they could be like finding a more powerful place to come from? What are okay. some beginner steps for them to stop limiting themselves by their stories? 
Okay, so let's go with four main steps. The first one is to start recognizing them as not fact, but as story. Okay, mm. so something pops up in your head, you know, we can go back to the, oh, I've put on this extra baby weight and can't lose it, so I'm really ugly, right? Something pops up in your head. That doesn't make it fact. That makes it one interpretation of it. So you first just start acknowledging it. It's not fact. It's an option. The second step is that you sort of detach from that option and you say, okay, this is a filmy possibility. It's sort of a dream state. This is an option, but it's not necessarily or I'm just detached from it because you have to detach from these stories that you have a lot of emotional attachment to. Otherwise, you can't let go of them. So you have to kind of go to that space of, okay, it's an option, but it's a dreamy possibility. And the next step is that you create what other perspectives or stories or options could there be around this, okay? And those are all dreamy possibilities as well. And you just consider they're not attached to any of them, but considering what the possibilities are. And then the final step is really to look at them, just like we did with this stories about my son. There were three options, right? And I get to choose this final step is choose the one that supports you. You get to believe in yourself and you get to choose the perspective that supports that. So what is the story that's going to support you? What's the story that's going to help you live the way you want to live? What's the story that's going to make you happy? And then actively choose that perspective. Right. It's that simple. I love that. I love that you use the phrase actively choose that perspective because it's like you said, like we mentioned earlier, it's not just a matter of like feel something different or choose happy mm-hmm. today. Like it is an active, very conscientious shift in mindset that you'll have to revisit over and over again, but it's totally possible. And that's where you find the Mm -hmm. power in changing the perspective. Well, and I like how you said over and over again, because I know this firsthand because I'm managing my stories all the time. And every time one pops up, because, you know, some of these are really well-worn neural pathways, right? We've said the same things to ourselves, or we believed it for years, whatever it is, or there's something say that we've learned or been taught growing up that as an adult, we look back at it and logically we can say, I don't agree with that anymore. Or, you know, that doesn't serve the way that I want to live. It's still a neural pathway that's been programmed in. So we have to actually, every time that pops up, go back and reprogram it. And it takes a lot of times of just catching it and reprogramming, catching and supplying something different, catching, supplying something different, and just decide ahead of time what it is you're going to supply that's going to replace that. And just do it over and over and over until your perspective shifts. And it will shift. But the work is worth it because, Mm -hmm. you know, you can live in this space of self-loathing or bitterness or you know, hating others, not being able to forgive. There's all those hard spaces that we can get stuck in. Like where I was with my man issues before I started doing that work, right? I just didn't know how to get out of it. I have these experiences. To me, they are fact. I don't know how to get past them. And that's how a lot of our stuff is, that it's fact to us. So doing the work, reprogramming, accepting other ideas, of being. And, you know, one of those things for me on that particular topic was accepting the fact that there were actually good men out there, that there were good quality, decent men involved in the community, kind, you know, not abusers, not users. And part of the way that I did this, and this is just my path, not, you know, everybody's path will be different. 
But part of my path was that when I started doing this work, I was actually partnered with a guy who just personified everything that I didn't think was possible in a man. He was married. He was true to his wife. He was a great dad. He was an employer who, you know, owned a very successful business. He cared about his employees. He was involved in the community. All of this stuff that just wasn't creepy, that was good and high functioning. And You were business partners with him? Not business par- partners in the in- emotional intelligence training. Oh, you know, okay. okay. We, we, ar- we arbitrarily got set up with partners and okay. he just ended up being mine. And I'm okay. like, see, that was so fateful because oh my gosh, when you yeah. go out looking for a unicorn and you all of a sudden get partnered with a unicorn, it's like, yeah, <laughs> they right. do exist. And that was really key for helping me to change that story of all men are crap and they're, right. you know. Right. And so I believe that... God helps us find our way and that he provides the lessons and the teachings and the things that we need. Um, God, the universe, you know, however you frame it. But I believe that we get help as we're trying to learn and progress and break through the bad stuff and live, live in the light instead of the dark. Right. I think that you, no matter what, you find what you're looking for. And I think that that example of making a conscientious effort, like I'm going to go out, I'm going to find men who fit this description to prove to myself that these men actually exist and you found that, you could have also stayed in this mindset that all men are awful. And you would have found, I'm sure, plenty more awful men. And I think that I see this a lot with people who have attitudes of like, everything always goes wrong for me and I can never catch a break and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, everything does go wrong for them and they can never catch a break. (laughs) And on any given day, I could choose to, I mean, as an entrepreneur, especially like I could choose to feel like the world is falling apart any day, Mm -hmm. but instead I'm constantly, instead of looking at the things that are falling apart, which is usually two to seven items in any (laughs) given day, instead of that, I'm looking at like, where did things move forward? Like what really touched my day? And I can even use this morning as a prime example of like dealing with some really stressful things related to my other business, local business here in Seattle. And thinking like, oh my gosh, how am I going to get through this week? And then deciding like, okay, I need to reframe. I was first of all, so glad I had this interview booked because I was like, this is going to be a good reset for me because I'm going to go talk about something else. And also I went caroling with my son's class and I was like, okay, those two things, those are going to be my wins for the day. Like those are going to be my reset buttons so that I can find joy in those things. And those two things are actually going to help me see that these other things related to business are actually really small and insignificant. And so even though they felt huge to me in the moment, two hours later, it's now been two hours since I decided like, how am I going to reframe this? And now two hours later, and I'm like, oh my gosh, the things this morning that seemed like crushing or like, whatever, they're insignificant. I got to go sing songs with four and five-year-olds and I got to do this interview (laughs) that was so inspiring. And so now I got what I was looking for and I could have just held on to this today sucking and it would have kept sucking. (laughs) I absolutely agree. And I really want to congratulate you. You do really positive reframing work on a daily basis. I'm proud of you for that. I, it oh, sounds like you. you just are on top of being aware of which stories are dragging you down and then you do something about it. You reframe, you find a way to positively look or overcome or you know find a different way to create the story that's going on. Good for you. Right. Thank you. Yeah, I do try. And I will say I don't have so much patience for my husband who is not so great at turning his stories around sometimes. <laughs> and he wants that, to yeah. come home and tell me 37 things that went wrong at work. And I'm like, can you tell me like three things that went right? And can we just talk about those three things? <laughs> yeah. Or let's reframe that. There was a guy at 
a work interaction that I had the other day. And the entire time I was speaking to him, it was just on and on about all of these horrible things going on in his life. And I was like, yeah, let's do a coaching session. (laughs) (laughs) Good for you. It's so exhausting to receive that. But also you're like, I also want to like help you because I don't want other people to have to receive this, nor do I want to see you living in this space. (laughs) Well, and of course, I I didn't say let's have a coaching session because it's not, you know, it wasn't the atmosphere for that. But in my mind, I was just thinking, yeah, you can stay there. You can stay in that space where life is horrible and everybody's treating you like crap. And then it will continue to be there and you'll probably be miserable for a really long time and, you know, nothing's going to get better and you're going to keep repeating these patterns that you have going on. Or you can start looking for what you're grateful for and you can start looking for what you can learn from the crappy things that are going on and you can start changing the things that aren't working for you. You can create a better story. You know, in, in closing, I would say that's one of the biggest takeaways is simply you have control over your story. You create it every single day. You're the hero of your story. You are the protagonist, the main person in your story. Picture it on the movie screen. And only thing is, is somebody else didn't write the script. You get to write the script every single day and you get to change the lines when they don't work for you. And if the story is getting boring, you get to write something cool into the script. If you're not being taken care of, you get to you know, go get that massage that you need today to take care of. You get to create that story. And if it's not satisfying to you, and if it's killing you, or if you're in a space that you're just feeling awful, write something different. Yes. Yes. Amen. I love it. I love it. This has been so great, Lori. I really appreciate it. We're going to hop over to our Shameless Mommy Minute in just a second here. But first, tell us where we can find you, where people can connect with you and interact with you. I would love to see you all hit up the Love Your Story podcast and www.loveyourstorypodcast.com. So I've got, you know, comment boxes on all the episodes. I'd love to have you subscribe, rate, and review the Love Your Story podcast, of course. But then that website is where we do all the interaction. That's where you can get, I have a free ebook slash audio book that you can get on the site. And it's called The Key to Your Super Self. How Stories Unlock Your Power. And it's a free audiobook, or if you prefer ebook, um, you'll get both of those downloads when you sign up for it on the site. You can also sign up for the 21 Day Challenge. I would love to see you there. It's a lot of fun. It's a nice way to make changes in a guided atmosphere. And it's also not overwhelming. This is one of the things I'm really excited about that 21 Day Challenge is there are so many story tools. And if you're anything like me, the minute you feel like there's so many things you should be doing, you just don't do anything. Like I'll just shut right. down with overwhelm. Right. And so I love this 21 day challenge because it takes a different story tool. And every day you just get to look at one and say, how do I work this into my already busy day? And then you do it. But the fun part is, is that then you get to see the reactions, the connections that it creates, the way it changes things. And after 21 days of trying 21 different tools, you get to say, oh, that one really worked well for me. I had a great response and I would like to incorporate that one into my life. I don't have to do all 21 of them, but maybe there's three or four that I really, really liked and I want to keep using those to make my story better. So it's a smorgasbord of story tools that you get to try and you can access that on the website too. I love it. Perfect. Yes. Yeah, so everyone can pop over there to the show notes. That'll all be all those links will be linked up for those resources over at shamelessmom.com. And are you ready for our lightning round? Sure. Shoot. Here we go. What is your favorite way to treat yourself? Mm. 
I was mentioning that earlier, but it's always massage for me. I carry a lot of stress in my shoulders, and so I'm always happy when somebody will rub me down. Nice. Current <laughs> book that you're reading or the last one you read? Mm, I have about a pile of six out there. <laughs> <laughs> the current one I'm on is Embracing Your Inner Critic, and I'm oh. reading this one as research into you know other people's research, and it's the same topic. So Nice, nice. What is one morning ritual you can't live without? I could probably live without it if I wanted to, but it's the only thing I do consistently every morning, and that is that I get up and make myself a cup of chai tea. Oh, nice, <laughs> nice. That's a little more exotic than the typical coffee answer. Oh, yes. No coffee here. <laughs> Who is your biggest inspiration? Christ. Oh, I love that. If you could give all moms one superpower, what would it be and why? Oh, you know, that's an easy one because without a doubt, I would give them the superpower to be able to truly see themselves for the superwomen that they are. And I don't say that tongue in cheek at all, but I wish women could see themselves in all their power and glory and love themselves and go out into the world with that clarity. Because, yes. you know, as I've worked with coaching and watching people, people always have stories that are holding them back. And I, as a coach, look at them and I see their brilliance. I see right. their beauty. I see, you know, and I'll meet somebody, I'll think, man, they are going to tear up the world. And then as I get to know them, I can see the stories that are holding them back. And unless they can work through them, they just stay there in that space that's small. And they don't need to be there. You know, they just right. don't need to be in those small spaces because they're awesome. And what I wouldn't give just to strip all those crappy stories away so that they could really step into the beautiful people that they are. Totally, totally. What a great place to end. Lori, thank you so much. I so appreciate you being here and I love everything that you shared. So many powerful nuggets and very empowering steps to take to really start looking at how our stories impact our lives and the ways that we can very proactively change some of our perspectives and perceptions. So thank you so much for being here and definitely come back the next time you have something exciting in the works. Thank you. And thanks for having me, Sarah. It's been great to talk to you and have this conversation and hope it gets out there and we all start yeah. creating great stories. Yes, yes, definitely. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. I had such a great time talking to Lori and she reached out to me right after we finished the interview and she said, hey, I want to offer a discount to all your listeners who want to sign up for my 21 day challenge. So we set up a special promo code just for shameless moms. So if you go to the Love Your Story podcast website, the 21 day challenge, which I'll have linked up in the show notes, you can use the code shameless mom. That's two separate words, shameless mom to get a $5 discount off her 21 day challenge. So I'll set up over in the show notes. If you go to shamelessmom.com, click on episode 204 with Lori Lee and you will get all the information that you need to get the $5 discount and to get started on the 21 day challenge. Thank you for spending time with Lori and me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I loved this conversation. I hope it was meaningful to you as well. You know, I'm obsessed with stories and the impact they have on our lives and how we have the power to change them, shift them, and really put them in, send them in new directions and manage them in different ways than we ever imagined in order to give ourselves a little more power and a little more perspective over time. So I appreciate you being here today. I hope that you enjoyed this. I hope that you will share it with other people. Remember, you can always share the show by taking a screenshot of the episode and putting that on social media, tagging me at the Shameless Mom Academy. You can also go to shamelessmom.com, click on episode 204 and get the link to the show. So lots of different ways to share this episode out. 
Lastly, if you've not subscribed to the show, I'm going to tell you what to do because I don't want people missing episodes and people are telling me sometimes that they don't know quite how to subscribe. So you're going to go to shamelessmom.com slash review that will take you into Apple podcasts when you're there. You click on the artwork of the show, which will take you into our specific feed. And there will be a blue little button that says subscribe. And that will subscribe you to the show so that you will never miss an episode. So you're going to go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review. That will take you into Apple Podcasts. If you don't see the subscribe button right away, you're just going to click on the picture of the show. And that will take you the next layer into Apple Podcasts where you can click on the blue subscribe button because Apple Podcasts makes things a little difficult sometimes. So that's how you do it. All right. Thank you for spending time with us in the Shameless Mom Academy today. We will be here again on Monday with a brand new episode. We have new episodes every Monday and Wednesday. I can't wait to be back with you in a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.